Are you tired of a sky-high mortgage payment? You can refinance your existing mortgage loan with UK Federal Credit Union's Fixed Home Equity Loan. They're currently offering rates as low as 2.74% APR and no closing costs with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today with UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into episode 81 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you? It's good to be back. Uh, took a couple of weeks off. I'm re-energized. Watch that absolute just mess of a basketball game last night and uh, if you could see me right now i'm comfortably eating a popsicle with my hood on while recording an episode of sources say so i'm i'm comfy kick back relax and uh, we'll get you through this somehow that, that that is the only mentality to have right now because we are all wishing that we were as comfy and cozy as you because um, frankly i'm uncomfortable sean i am because we have to come on this show every single time and talk about the the nitty-gritty horribleness of this season uh the constant losses we're now five and 11 on the year john calipari doesn't you know stumbles over his words during every press conferences he stumbles over uh his coaching decisions on the sideline during games that his players are stumbling over themselves on the court itself there's there's just nothing going well with this program right now with with this team um I, i think we have officially passed the point of NCAA tournament hopes. I think we're done talking about that at this point. We are now looking ahead to um, maybe making a, a run in the SEC tournament where, you know, that's kind of the highlight of the season at this point. And uh, looking ahead to 2021, 2022, I think that's where we are. Yeah, Kentucky and the NCAA tournament, it shouldn't be written in the same sentence and it shouldn't be mentioned in the same breath anymore. Like that, that's done. Like they're 5 and 11. Jack, uh, I mean, Georgia, I was sitting here thinking earlier today about SEC tournament, and I said, good Lord, Georgia basketball won two games in one day one time. Kentucky has won five in three months. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that's the point that we're at when it comes to Kentucky basketball. But, no, it, it, the same issues that have been there since November and December, they they were there again last night. But, man, it just seems like they're more magnified with every game now. Jack, when they, when they get down to a situation where they can win the game, this team just can't go win basketball games. It feels like the stop that they need to get, the basket they need to get, the the loose ball that they need to get, they never get it. Like they they get themselves to the point that they can win a game. It's not like they're getting blown out. Mm. I mean, other than you know a, a game here or there, like the Alabama game at Rupp, but other, they've had chances to win all these games, but th- they just can't do it. They I just and I don't know. Like I don't want to seem like either on this episode that I'm bashing these kids. I'm not. These kids are fighting. Lance Ware fought last night. Davion Mintz fought last night. Isaiah Jackson. These kids play hard. They're just not very good. Mm-hmm. 
That's and that falls back on who? Who's that fall back on, though? The, who constructed the, this roster? The head coach of the Kentucky basketball program. Yeah. And this has been the worst coaching job of his career, by far. It's yeah. been the worst. Not only has it been the worst coaching job, it's been his worst PR job. Uh, he's a guy who is constantly having to go back and re like address some things that he said or backtrack on some statements like we saw it last night with Terrence Clark. They lost a basketball game last night, and within an hour he had to tweet out something clarifying his comments about Terrence Clark. Frustration's boiling over. He's a human being. I understand it, but it's been a negative PR thing every game from John Calipari, a guy who always says the right thing has said the wrong thing every single time this year, and that is concerning. That's not only concerning for this year. It's concerning moving forward as a program because right now, I don't know. I've been talking about all these guys that's going to come back right next year, Jack. I don't think that's an instant fix that they're just going to be a title contender next year because I split this into two things. I feel really good about Kentucky's interior with Lance Ware. I think that that's a guy that needs to play a ton the rest of the season. I've liked Jacob Toppin. I still like Keon Brooks. But Kentucky's backcourt has a ton of questions. Like, who is anyone – like right now, Devin Askew is the the one that I say will be back for sure next year. But can we say that about anybody else? Can we even say that about Dante Allen? Given he played seven minutes last night in the inconsistencies across the board, like who? But who do you feel good about in that backcourt? No, like B.J. Boston gone. Terrence Clark's gone. Davion Mintz is gone. Kentucky needs guards. Yes, um, game changing guards. So that is kind of going to be the basis of this show um, today because we all know how the game went. I can go, to, go through the box score. Kentucky loses 75-70. Devin Askew, seven points, two of eight shooting, uh, four assists, three rebounds, two turnovers in 32 minutes, third on the team um, in a game that he frankly did not look good at all. B.J. Boston played fine, 10 points, four of nine shooting, two for three from three, uh, two assists, three rebounds, five fouls. Davion Mintz, 18 points. Isaiah Jackson, 8 points. He had 10 rebounds in, I believe, what, 4 blocks, something like that. Olivier Saar, 9 points. Keon Brooks, 10 points. Uh, Lance Ware, 8 points, 10 rebounds. He, he was probably the, the most consistent, best uh, performer. But we get, we get all that. We, we're we're t- sick and tired of doing the same um, – you know, breaking down the game. Where did things go wrong? Oh, well, if Cal had done this, if the players – like, we, we know this. Every single game, it's it's rewind, repeat. We can't keep saying the exact same thing over and over and again because it's very clear that this is a broken coaching job. This is a broken team right now that, like you said, they're not any good um, just from a pure skill standpoint. They don't know how to come together as a team, and I don't think that we're going to get to the point where they're, where they're going to at the, at the end of the year. I, I just – I think we're past that point. So – I think at this point, it's time to start thinking big picture. And I'm, for the first time, I think I am, I'm genuinely concerned long-term about this program and where things are trending with the fan base, the, the, the fan outcry every single game. It feels like it's growing. It feels like there is, there is just, there, there's turmoil on the team. There has been to start the season with Cameron Fletcher and, uh, you know, the, the back and forth with the, the very weird quotes with Terrence Clark and what that meant. We'll get into that, too, because that's obviously very important, speaking big picture as well. But it just feels like this season is different. That Nerland's Noel year, they were coming off the championship run. They had a, you know, an awesome class coming up the year after. There were, there were things to look ahead to and recency bias I guess you could say 
uh, you know, reasons why you can be excited and, and believe in Cal. And, and it worked. There's, there's a reason that, that uh, he, he has been so successful and, and has been for, for so long. But we've, re, we've gotten to this point where no Final Four since 2015. Recruiting is taking a hit. You know, there's still, yeah, Kentucky is the number one recruiting class in the country for next year. But is that, and they, they were there last year as well. But is that quantity or quality? Because as we're seeing this year, there, there are plenty of bodies on this roster, but UK missed on those Cade Cunningham level prospects, the Jalen Green level prospects, the Jonathan Kaminga level prospects, those game-changing talents that could be the difference in a, you know, in, in wins. If Kate, if Kate Cunningham's on this team, flip that record. The UK is 11 and five right now. I, I don't have a doubt in my mind. It doesn't help too, that they missed on what's going on with BJ Boston right now. BJ's not lived up to the billing that he was in high school. Terrence Clark hasn't played. Uh, if he's not healthy, he hasn't been healthy since what Georgia tech, I think was the last game that he was really fully healthy. That right. He looked that he looked full strength. A lot of factors have played into this. Isaiah Jackson's been their best player, him or Davion Mintz. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, I think he's gone. I just, I think that he's played himself okay, into a, into a pick, and there's no reason to come back. Uh, I just feel like that he's he's that good. If Kentucky were a top ten team, he'd be the headline every single night, every single day. We'd be writing about how good he is. Right now, you can't write about how good Isaiah Jackson been, has been because this team's horrible. Like, this team's not good, and it's kind of overshadowing how good he's been. But I'm with you. It feels different because we've been say I've been saying this since the Florida game, I think, that I really liked Kentucky's roster. I liked it because I was looking at the quantity, the, the number of guys that they have coming back uh, that should come back, uh, the Lance Wares, the Jacob Toppins, the Keon Brooks, the Devin Askews. I still like it. But I don't think it just – they'll be better for sure. It'll be a better basketball team. They won't be 5-11. and 11. But if you're thinking national championship or Final Four, there's a lot of pieces that have to fall into place. Obviously, Oscar Shubway is a piece. That's a significant piece that we can't throw to the side. Damian Collins coming in. If Isaiah Jackson does leave, then you kind of get that same production. Who knows? Is his offensive skill set, does it end up being better? I don't know. But you get a shot you get a shot blocker, you get somebody to replace that. But this is where it comes down to me. Looking at this backcourt of Devin Askew, Davion Mintz, Terrence Clark, BJ Boston, and Dante Allen. That's the primary backcourt for Kentucky. That's the five guys that they have. Devin Askew will be back at Kentucky unless he decides that he doesn't want to be at Kentucky. I don't see Dev, Devin Askew leaving the program. I don't either. Davion Mintz that I've mentioned, you know, is that a kid who would like to use an extra year? I'm still going to say he probably doesn't. I think Matt uh, BJ, said on KSR that they're, they're, for the first time he had heard there was a, a touch of scuttlebutt about UK feeling him out about another year. So that is – that I is thought the, that that would come. That was, that's the only – at least something that UK is starting to monitor. And I've, I heard – slight whispers about it but nothing nothing of the, like let's like pencil him in for next year and nothing no and, and that's why that's why when i said it a month ago i hadn't heard anything but i was just looking at it that that's a kid that helps you mm-hmm. you bring that kid back and you get something to go right like so let's say scott clark reclassifies i mean then you've got something working in your backcourt with some scores but uh don't really know about him so let's just say just for this let's just say he leaves let's say he's gone bj boston's not coming back I just don't see that path. Terrence Clark is not coming back. Gone. Dante Allen. 
I would have told you going into last night, I had no concerns about him leaving Jack, but then he plays seven minutes and it's back to those inconsistencies with you start him, plays 30 minutes, then he plays seven minutes. It just does not make sense. Then you have to wonder about the, the mental side of this being in a program. Do, do you want a, a new change? Do you want a change of scenery? We don't know that, but it's something that I think that we should at least be aware of because you just, you don't know. So let's just say like Devin Askew's the the returning guard in this backcourt. Does Kentucky have like difference maker elite guards coming in next year? Nolan Hickman, I think will be an upgrade. I think Nolan Hickman will be a good addition. Uh, Sky Clark, obviously we don't know. Is he going to stay 22? Is he going to move 21? That's the difference though. I, I like Kentucky's front court. I really like Lance Ware. I love his attitude. Like late in the game, the the jump ball he was not letting go of it he he plays pissed off and I like it mm-hmm. like I, I like that physicality I also what I liked about too last night his leadership Devin Askew was chirping after every call whether it was a good call or a no call and Lance where I watched him three or four times try to calm him down he showed leadership qualities when the game ended you know who was the most upset visibly Lance Ware that they lost yep he was ticked off I like that. He's also the kid that came out and said he believed that Kentucky could win every single game the rest of the way. Absolutely. He's saying all the right things, doing all the right things. I like him as a piece. I still like Jacob Toppin as a piece. Keon Brooks. I like the front court. I have a lot of questions about the back court, though. And let's let's face it, at any level of basketball, especially in the college game, in the NCAA tournament, the back court wins you championships. How many times have we seen Kentucky lose in the NCAA tournament under Cattle to an el- guards who are elite? UConn multiple times. Sam Decker killed him on the perimeter when he was at Wisconsin. I just don't know if Kentucky has those elite changing guards that just make a difference. Even if they did get in the NCAA tournament, they're not making a run. The backcourt's not good enough. Not good enough. Yeah, and, and let's they need, let, they need shot makers, Jack. They don't have shot makers. Absolutely. Let's kind of use that as an opportunity to kind of address uh, address issue number one. Well, I mean, there's there's plenty plenty of issues and things we've already discussed that that are issues. But issue number one with long term confidence in this program, specifically with um, you know that that guard play, Dante Allen, like you said, for the first time since uh, I mean, even in the bulk of like the North Carolina game when he wasn't getting in, and the Louisville game when he didn't get in at all, even in the bulk of that, there was still that glimmer of hope for long term. He got that success. Uh, the family saw that success. The people close to him saw that success and saw what he could be and then saw it snatched away from them. And I almost think that was worse for Calipari to kind of, you know, put that piece of meat out in front of him and go, here you go. Here's that treat. You know, you don't want a treat. And then, and then kind of take it right, right back away from him. I think that has been that has taken an emotional toll on the entire Dante Allen family, people close to him and Dante himself, where, like you said, for the first time, I genuinely don't know if Dante will be back next year. And that's an issue because Cal, for this to work, for this to keep working and his system to keep thriving, he has to have people like Dante Allen stick around long-term. Johnny Juzang, West Coast kid, you can chalk it up to that. Jamal Baker, you know, they had their on-court issue saying we can't I can't play you all that west coast kid transferred back home you, there were there were little things that that you, that you could come up with it, it, for excuses as to why they left 
Dante Allen, it is inexcusable for Kentucky to not keep him on this roster, to not appreciate him on this roster, and and let him know that he is wanted and needed inside this program, not just this year, not just next year, but potentially four years. Is he a two, three, four-year player? Maybe. I, I don't know how many years he's going to be here, but however long that time is, it needs he needs to be by the time he leaves it needs to be either for the professional route or graduation i mean that, that those are literally the only options can kentucky cannot afford john calipari specifically cannot afford to lose dante allen to the transfer portal because i think that would create a mess among the fan base that i don't know if it would turn against the fan base that i don't know if if cal could could come back from that I, I genuinely don't. I, I think I think fans would turn on him unlike anything we've seen before. Well, and and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Dante Allen played well he did. last night Let's, yeah, when he was absolutely. in there. He, he didn't. He did not play well. Kentucky started the second half strong, and Cal went with who he thought he needed to go with. But I feel like Cal is defending himself more than he's ever had to defend himself at any point in his career. Like he's defensive in his comments. And that's that's what I sensed last night when he was asked about Dante. You know, I, I made the decision myself. You know, yeah, of course you did. You're the head coach. Who's going to make it for you? But there, Dante didn't play poorly enough to the point that he shouldn't have got another chance. Like, that's the thing. Like, there are other guys on this roster that's doing nothing and still playing a ton of minutes. And when it comes down to it at the end of the game and you need a guy on the floor who can at least space the floor and open things up, he wasn't there. Like he set it, to the point that Jimmy Docks and the broadcast crew were asking why he was on the bench late in the game. It, it just the inconsistencies with minutes, not just with Dante Allen, but back to Lance Ware, who started games and then didn't even play in a game like that. Like I just don't understand the inconsistency in minutes. Jacob Toppin, when he's healthy, uh, play a ton of minutes one game, play very little the next. They're, you have to start thinking about the mental side of things with these kids and how it's beating them down. That like what what are we doing here? That I, this whole season has just been off, and I think a lot of people, Jack, or if they could just pull the plug right now and not watch this final stretch, I think they would do it. Just because Cal, look, there is no fixing this team. There's not. He's tried everything. Not. I'm not saying he hasn't tried. He has. There's just no way to fix it. There's too many holes. The best thing now is just to get to next year and hope that you get some difference makers and some of these guys come back. But you're at a point right now in this program where all eyes are on it. And I'm I'm not ready to say that just turning the calendar to another year is automatically going to fix things. I'm concerned. I'm literally concerned about it. I I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say, right? I think I think it's very fair. Um, before we move on from from Dante, there was one text that I got this afternoon that just really kind of scared the bejesus out of me for just just thinking that this could really turn south um, from somebody very close to Dante that would know. Um, do we you know text him back and forth with him very regularly? But just today in in particular, he said I never thought he would leave, and now I'm not sure he'll stay. That's that was a, a direct quote. It's just like, man, that is something that Cal has to fix. He has to, he has to, like we, we've talked about this on the show in the past. W, you know, a school like WKU, they would die to have a Dante on on their school. They, they are, are, I believe they've already reached out to people 
legally reached out to people around Dante's circle that would let them know that they are interested without being a direct, you know, tampering, you know, without it being illegal, have, have made it clear that they, that they would like him there. I know Xavier has very high interest in bringing him in. I know a school like Purdue. I know a school – there are – Louisville. And there was a conversation that I had with another individual close to Dante Allen that, that said, should we ever get to this point, we're not going somewhere to, to, to put up 40 points a game. We're not going somewhere to, you know, like a WKU. Not saying he wouldn't ever go to WKU, but he's not – he wouldn't ever leave Kentucky with the intention of, I just got to go somewhere where I can get the most minutes, get the most whatever. He wants to go somewhere. Should this, and again, I'm not letting anything slip. This is, he's not, it's not a guarantee he's leaving none of that. But should he make that decision, he would want to go somewhere where all eyes would be on him and let Kentucky know what they missed out on. It, it is a very touchy, walking on eggshells situation right now that Cal underline exclamation mark has to figure out and has to figure out soon because if if he walks out that door if he enters that transfer portal and leaves you know think think of the the outcry that think of the the fan support right now for reed shepherd think about the other local kids that we've had in the past that have come through and, and that have fans have begged for kentucky finally got that kid he averaged you know mr basketball averaged 43 game points per game in high school before his that you know a heartbreaking injury it was a beautiful story you know him recovering and and that that lead up to that that storybook finish in starkville i mean there, there's so much for him keeping him in lexington but to this day, I don't think Cal is making him feel appreciated. I don't. And, and it's like he goes out of his way to fight the fan base on, you don't, you know, every press conference, every call and radio show. It's like Cal has to go out of his way to fight the fan base on it because he knows that, that yeah, Dante is not the worst performing defender on the team or he doesn't have the worst plus minus. He doesn't have the worst, you know, defensive analytics, you know, all that stuff. But, Cal knows that the fan base is rooting for Dante in particular more than anybody else. So he feel he feels a need to fight them directly on that. And he needs to give that up. He is not going to win that battle with these fan base, with, with this fan base. They are so passionate about their in-state kids and you are rubbing everybody the wrong way with how you're going about doing things. And I don't know if he cares. He probably doesn't because if he, at this point, he, he would have changed by now if, if, if he actually cared, but well, this if if Dante leaves, it feels like it like an it, like we're going down a dark, ugly path that I don't see a bright spot at the end of the like oh, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. If we get to that point, that's I think that is overarching problem number one. Very few things in life end the way that you hoped they would, and. The John Calipari era at Kentucky has been amazing. Whenever we look back on this thing, let's say 15 years from now, we look back on this thing, I think the overall look will be like, wow, one of, by far the best time ever. When you're talking about being at the top of the top of the mountain, Jack, with uh, the PR of the program, number one in the country, number one recruiting classes, just the talk on ESPN, the, the, the pursuit of perfection, the national championship, the NBA – I don't know if it's ever going to be like this again. But right now, all of the good that has happened, it's certainly being overshadowed with how bad it's been right now. And I, I, I get it. There's a lot of people out there who are like, it's one bad season. 
yes, it is one bad season. Last season was great. I think last season might have been his best coaching job. I really do when you look at it, just given you know what they had. But this has certainly been his worst coaching job. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's one bad season, but there's also been some signs there, Jack, that this that this might have been coming a little bit. And two, like, does it? How do you how do you reverse this? It's not like you just go out here and get Anthony Davis. It's not like he's in every class or a John Wall or a Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, how, how do you how do you get back on track? Sure, we always talk about you want multiple guys coming back, but right now, like, are these are these Kentucky quality basketball players that we're talking about? Like John Calipari era Kentucky quality basketball players. Yeah, I, I, that's that, that's a question. I think it's too early to tell. I, I genuinely don't. Um, well, the, the fix, though, in my opinion, how you fix this is he needs to really focus in. And I, people, I'm not the coach of Kentucky. I'm not getting paid nine million dollars, but I'm watching the game. They're fine. They they're good enough defensively to win basketball games. A, a lot of nights they've been they've done enough defensively to win games. They just cannot score the basketball. He literally needs to prioritize one thing the rest of this class, and it's shooters. Go get shooters. Don't pay attention if they're hanging on the rim or if they're jumping a 40-inch vertical. Go get shooters because that's what they significantly need right now is guys who can make shots. They don't have that. And, I, you know, and that's going to bring us to our problem number two and kind of the the, the – the basis of the of the rest of the show is is the recruiting side of things and Kentucky has signed three players locked in Damian Collins top 10 recruit Bryce Hopkins consensus top 40 ish recruit and Nolan Hickman who is ranked anywhere from like 30 something to like 70 something he's kind of all over the place but we'll kind of average him in at at that like top 50 ish range so Damian Collins is your premier guy, a guy that you can kind of one of the premier pieces, one of the core foundational pieces of your recruiting class. But the other two guys, Bryce Hopkins and and, and Nolan Hickman, are your Cameron Fletcher, Lance Wares, where you you add them at the bottom of a class to be the additional role players, potentially multi year guys. You do not bring them in to be the premier guys. So. For Kentucky to say, yeah, we have the number one recruiting class in the country right now. Sure, yeah, that's fine. But you only have one premier guy that you can count on from day one. And even still, he's ranked as high as he is, Damian Collins, because he is all potential. He has a 80-inch vertical. I mean, the dude just jumps out the absolute gym, you know, like seven-foot-six wingspan or something ridiculous. I mean, the, the dude is – going to be a a freak of nature by the end of you know by the time he gets to Kentucky NBA ranks you know long term he's going to be awesome but like Isaiah Jackson that's not a guy that like you know Isaiah Jackson's not anchoring your front court he's not going to be the guy that you pass it to on the block like a Julius Randle and say just go get points like that's not who Damian Collins is and that's not what Isaiah Jackson is this past year UK still does not have that guy and if we're looking, I mean, we're looking at the roster management and the layout right now. Dante Allen, up in the air. I think it's – I genuinely think we're about 60-40 that he comes back. I think that's about as, as much as I would give credit to. Devin Askew coming back. Lance Ware coming back. Cameron Fletcher, and kind of same boat as Dante Allen. Is, does he feel wanted enough? How is – you know, that, that's kind of up in the air as well. 
Keon Brooks, yeah, I think where he's probably going to be a third-year guy. I think that we're trending that way. UK needs guys like him to to come back. But outside of that, I mean, there there really isn't that premier there, – there's not that guy anywhere. Because you look at the, the recruiting rankings and, and who Kentucky has offers out to, the only other guy that UK has an offer out to is Patrick Baldwin Jr. in, in terms of that elite status. And he's not coming to Kentucky, or at least UK hasn't been mentioned with, in the same conversation as him forever. He's either going to play with his dad or going to Duke. Those are, those are kind of the two options for him right now. The only other guy with an offer – Right now, outside of Jaden Hardy and Hunter Salas, Jaden Hardy's very likely going to the G League. Hunter Salas is trending very hard toward Gonzaga. And fans, I'll be the first to tell you right now that Hunter Salas is the one recruit in particular that has been listening and been reading and been watching uh, the the Kentucky fan base and 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 had to contact the UK coaching staff and and, and the people close to the program and say. Uh, is this a regular thing? Is this a normal thing? How negative and, and the, the actual word was toxic that was brought forth with me. Is this how the fan base actually is? Is it, He has been reading and his family, they have been reading those comments. And those comments went directly in line with him trending toward Gonzaga with Gonzaga putting up a million points a game and their offense looks awesome and built for a player of, of Hunter Salas's um, caliber that is kind of a that was a very just everything kind of hit at the wrong wrong place wrong time situation that led him to train you know it's it's not over yet but he's absolutely training toward Gonzaga right now Jaden Hardy UK hasn't been kind of in in the main picture with him for several months now it's kind of in G League or you know G League like 80 percent UCLA 10 percent any anywhere else that other 10 percent you know those two premier options are no longer really in the picture right now. The only other guy is Brandon Podzimski, a three-star recruit, top 150 player in the country out of out of Wisconsin. Kind of that same Tyler Hero puts up 40, 50 points a game, can shoot lights out. That you know that would be a great get. That would be a great get for this class, and UK would need a guy like him. But he's ranked top 150 for a reason. He is not your premier guy. Sean, I don't know where, where Kentucky gets this guy. I don't. I genuinely don't. That's, that's where I was going off of a minute ago. You know, we're talking about that there's not that premier guy to go out there and kind of just get right now that's going to fix the issues. That's why I was said you got to go with basketball players. you got to go with shooters. And that's where I was talking, you know, about Podzimski that he could shoot the ball. Go get a shooter. Go to the portal and get a shooter. Get a couple of shooters to put around if Sky Clark's there or, you know, Nolan Hickman, Devin, whoever the guards are with that front court. That's where I'm coming down to that you don't want to just try to go get the highest-ranked guy in this situation unless you're getting a Jaden Hardy or Hunter Salas because I think they need to go system more than they do top-tier talent. Like, they just don't have enough basketball players offensively on this team right now. There's too many dead spots on the offensive end of the floor. Right. I mean, that play, when they went, when they went three-circle to isolate uh, B.J. Boston on that baseline runner action coming off those screens – uh, once they, everybody knows that's what Kentucky goes to. They go to their circle set. If it's one circle, it's the point guard it runs off of. If it's two circles, two guard, three circle, it's the three man. Last night was the three man with Davion Mintz, Devin Askew, and BJ Boston. Well, when late in the clock, the ball screen just gets completely blown up. Mintz gets caught on the baseline, fires it to Askew. 
It was seven seconds on the shot clock. Your point guard has got to be able to get the ball by somebody's hip and at least get the ball up on the rim when you have a guy like Isaiah Jackson who can slam it back or Lance Ware who can grab you an offensive board. Instead, Askew goes in a straight line, and it wasn't his it wasn't his intention either, Jack. Like he could not turn the corner. Three dribbles from the right wing to the left elbow, picked up the dribble. Then the back door cut was open, but guess what? Guess what eliminated that being an option. You got two bigs on the floor, and then you 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 just crammed up. You you don't have room to operate. There's just not enough spacing. Like just painful to watch from a coaching perspective. It's so painful to watch how they run offense. But I don't know. Like I just don't know. I think your best hope is that you can get a majority of these guys back and they develop, and then you put a piece or two with them next year. Like. I still keep saying Scott Clark has to be on next year's roster. He has to be, in my opinion. But, you know, we watched him in person, and he does a lot of really, really good things in front. You know, I I saw him go up against Robert Covington, who's one of the best 3 and D players in the NBA. He was going up against Alex Poythras. He was going up against Darius Garland, who's, you know, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was – he – uh, Ian Clark, who won a championship with the Golden State Warriors, like I, I have seen Sky Clark thrive in a professional basketball setting before, but I've also seen BJ Boston thrive in a professional basketball setting. I saw, you know, I've I've seen, I've, I've, seen I've seen all these guys do this stuff before. UK's track record with reclass guys is not good right now. Terrence Clark was a reclass guy. Devin Askew was a reclass guy. Ashton Hagens, he had his bright spots as a freshman, but he looked like a reclass guy uh, more often than not. You go down the list, I, I mean, can you tell me which reclass guys ended up looking the part? You, you know, like they, they looked like they belonged and were in that elite tier. Like they, they were – usually reclass guys are so good that they move up a year because they're they're they don't need high school anymore they they are their development has reached its peak at the high school level they need that college carl towns i think is the last reclass guy as a true freshman that looked that part and and he ended up being the number one draft pick dakari johnson was a reclass guy he struggled a little bit as a sophomore as a freshman and then kind of you know turned things up as a sophomore but you go down the list i really can't think off the top of my head how many true success stories there have been with Kentucky uh, with reclass guys. And, and I'm a big, big fan of Sky Clark. I think he's going to be an excellent player at Kentucky down the road. He has handle, you know, ball handles. He can knock down shots. I think he, he just tweeted, tweeted a day. He shot like 81 for a hundred and a three point shooting drill recently, whatever. He is going to be a, a, a very, very good point guard at Kentucky. But is that going to be next year when Kentucky be better off, you know, hitting the transfer portal hard, trying to get the best point guard in college basketball, the the point guard version of Luca Garza. Luca Garza is the, you know, that one guy where it's like, I think uh, Mike Schmitz of ESPN compared him. He said he's the most offensively productive. He's the most offensively gifted college basketball, college basketball player we've seen since Shaq, but his draft stock hasn't, reflected that he he is not Luca Garza is not an elite NBA prospect but he is a arguably the best college basketball player of the last five years can Kentucky get the point guard equivalent of him in the transfer portal can is there a point guard equivalent can UK find that guy we kind of thought Olivier Saar would be in that same breath 
a guy, that pure skill guy that might not be suited best for the NBA ranks and kind of sticking around a couple years in college, can't find his footing, wanting a, you know, a chance at a title run, you know, maybe at a smaller school, whatever the case is, Kentucky has to find that guy in the transfer portal to be their lead point guard. And that's tough. I mean, that's what, that is where my hesitancy for next year's roster comes from because I think Devin Askew is going to be a hell of a second-year second guy. I still have a ton of confidence in him long-term. But do you, based on what you've seen this year, are you comfortable relying on that being your focal point? Are you comfortable with that being the go-to guy in your backcourt? I don't know. Davion Mintz, he's looked great at times, but at times, is he even a true point guard? He looks like an off-ball. He looks like a combo guard to me. I don't know if he's even a true point guard at this point. Uh, you know, Sky Clark, maybe. Uh, Nolan Hickman, he's better than advertised, I think, but he's still top 50, top 75 for a reason. You just go down that list. Are we going to be dealing with these same issues next year, Sean? That's where my concerns are. And they're, they're very, very big concerns. Like you, everybody has every right to be concerned. I'm concerned. I've said it for, for weeks now that I'm, I'm starting to get very concerned about, where the program is and how you climb out of this hole that you're in. This is a five and eleven team. I, I get it. COVID, COVID has forced things and forced people into difficult situations. And you know, programs. Some programs are struggling, but you still see programs that are moving right along. The Gonzagas, the Virginias, the you know, all, all these programs are still ha- finding a way to be successful. Why is Kentucky not being successful? But the Devin Askew thing. I don't know if Devin Askew is a point guard. I, I don't. I, I just don't think. Especially at this level of basketball, I also say this too, Jack. Even in high school, he had trouble getting the ball by defenders mm-hmm. and showing explosiveness. That's just it's. It reminds me a lot of Quad A Green. Mm-hmm. Got to be crafty and stuff. Uh, Tyler Ulis was small, but he he had one thing. He understood he could get by someone. He was smart. He he understood how to play the game. Use his size to his advantage. You know, wiggle his way in traffic and things like that. He could shoot the ball really well. Devin Askew's impact to me at any level of basketball, not just at Kentucky, I think is going to have to be with the ball not in his hands. Like, And so, I'm not talking – you have to shoot it. I know you have to have the ball in your hands to shoot it, but I'm talking about take him off the ball. He is going to be an off-the-ball guy if he's going to make an impact to Kentucky at any point. It cannot be with the ball in his hands because he, he doesn't have enough wiggle, he doesn't have enough burst, can't get the ball by the defender's hip. I think 90% to 95% of his offseason needs to be off the ball, learning how to, to run off screens, how to make reads, and become a, a jump shooter, get a quicker release, and be, be a knockdown three-point shooter. That's the only way. He's bigger than Quade Green, which would help him. I'm, I'm not trying to compare the two, but just the situations. the same thing that hindered Quade at Kentucky. It's, it's hindering Devin Askew. They're just not, not good with the ball in their hands. Let me play devil's advocate with you because I'm interested to see. We, we've kind of touched on this in the past, but I want to see what you think about it, especially given what we're seeing in the NBA right now. Emmanuel Quickly, as a freshman, was a guy that could not get by defenders. He, he didn't have that lateral quickness. He didn't have the wiggle. He didn't have the burst. He didn't have the athleticism. All of those same talking points that we have with Devin Askew right now we said the same things about Emmanuel Quickly, and we even said the. I think Cal even said multiple times as during Quickly's freshman year, the only way he can be a, a a productive player day one for us right now 
is by being an off court or as, as an off ball catch and shoot type guy. And that's what, that was his role by the end of his freshman year. He was the off ball catch and shoot three point shooter that, that Kentucky needed. He was a good one. Um, but, but he, he did not have any on ball things run for him. He didn't run anything. He kind of transitioned away from that by the end of his freshman year. And we said that going into his second year, with especially with Ashton Hagens coming back and Tyrese Maxey, we kind of said the same thing. Oh, he's just going to be that same off-ball guy. And then by his, his sophomore year jump, he became that guy. He did develop that quickness. He did get that, that burst and that wiggle. He, he, he learned, and I don't know if it was because he got in shape. I don't know if it was just how he trained. But he got that thing that none of us really expected for him. Sean, do you think that there is an avenue for Devin Askew to have a similar, you know, a, a similar physical jump just in, in terms of those, those intangibles, those, those little attributes that you look at? Is it possible for him to do that? Or do you think he, he does need to be that catch-and-shoot guy? What's the one thing right now that, that's being talked about with Emmanuel Quickly's game, though? Floater. The floater. And it's money. And it was money at Kentucky, and now it's money in the NBA. You, he, to me, Devin Askew has to find a way to get crafty and, and find, find some type of identity that defines him and separates him to where he can make an impact offensively. He's not the shooter that Emmanuel Quickly is right now. I don't think that we see like Emmanuel Quickly got to the point last year to where if he had a, a seam, you could see the basket, Jack. I thought it was going in every single time he took it. But the thing that Emmanuel got really, really good at is he understood how to play without the ball, and then once he had it, he understood how to use situations to his advantage. He learned how to play with a pace. Uh, no pun intended here. His IQ is, I thought, was <laughs> off the charts. I, I really thought his IQ was off the charts. I think that is the biggest thing that helped him is he understood how to play. He understand. He understood how to put himself in successful situations. Not saying that Devin Askew doesn't. Uh, it, it is interesting. I mean, that's obviously going to be the comparison now because that is who D Emmanuel quickly was his freshman season, was a guy just catch and shoot. But you saw it. I mean, there's plenty of highlights. In pick and roll right now, Emmanuel quickly is so good because he understands how to play with pace. That Maybe that's what Devin Askew does. But how much pick and roll does Kentucky do unless they're going to their Spain action? Yeah, I mean they don't do it a ton of it. It's a lot of circle set, or it's a lot of ISO. It's a lot of pound it and put it put the ball on the block. Uh, I just think that Devin's impact at Kentucky they need they need to get a lead guard who can handle the ball and set up and make things easier. I don't think they have that guy right now that just makes offense easier. Like you put Ashton Hagens on this team, a guy who can get the ball by a defender's hip. I think it makes everybody look better. I'm not saying that Ashton Hagens was some out of this world basketball player. He was a solid college basketball player at Kentucky, a solid point guard. Yes, he made some decisions and mistakes at times, but he could get the ball by the defender's hip and get to the rim or at least put somebody in a position to, to get a better look. Nobody makes offense easy on this team. Davion Mintz tries, but that's not his game. Devin Askew, it's not his game. Nobody makes basketball easy. You love playing with guys who set you up. Tyler Ulis made basketball easy on a lot of people. A lot of Kentucky guards have made basketball easy. They don't have that guy right now. And I think that's the biggest question mark. Do they have it next year's class? And going down the list, you cannot 
you, you cannot definitively say that person is on the roster this year or next. There's not. There's, there's not that guy. I, ideally, Devin Askew becomes that guy, and I'm still holding out slight hope. But I don't, I don't think it, it is in Calipari's best interest to put, to put all your eggs in one basket with, with that situation. I still, I, still think, I still think Scott Clark can be that guy. You do? I, I do. I, just watching his game, I think that his ability to make others better, just from the bit that I watched of him, I thought the day that we were there watching him, the team that he played on, they lost before he got there. And then once he got there, they didn't sit down for like three or four games. And it wasn't just because Sky was scoring the ball. It's because Sky was making things easier for everybody else. He became a distributor. Um, I, I see his game having some flashes of that. Now, I'm not saying that Sky's going to come in and be some stud and score 15, 20 points a game, but I think that he could at least run the show and make make life easier. He does have some bursts to his game, Jack, and get the ball by somebody. He does. He he does. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make me feel infinitely better. I, I think Cal – this is probably going to be Cal's hardest offseason since he has been here. I, I think even last year with the mass exodus, he – he had put himself in such good position with that 2020 class where he knew that even if he lost everybody, if they lost EJ and Ashton and, you know, but they didn't get that return waiver for Nate Sestina, worst case scenario, even with all those pieces gone from last year outside of the, the you know, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey, those guys that he knew at that time, you know, hindsight uh, – understand they didn't pan out the way we anticipated but he knew he had Terrence Clark and BJ Boss in his back pocket he knew he had a five-star uh, top 25 kid in Devin Askew reclassified coming in he knew that he had some role play solid role players he got you know Jacob Toppin in as a like there were there were a bunch of reasons for optimism going into last year or going into this past year with this upcoming group I think there are genuine concerns across the board that should make that that is going to make Cal's job the hardest of any that, that he's had to deal with since he since he has gotten to Kentucky. I think he has questions and you know long term coaching philosophies. You know he said last year going into the season that he watched all these uh, NBA bubble tape and you know said oh the, I want to I'm going to start running plays for, like this and this is how we're going to start running things and all that we still have to this day haven't seen that he you know some of his quotes yesterday were like yeah I ran this the, this the same set that I, I usually run I guess they're just not ready for that yet but that's that's old Cal that's not anything new revolutionary updated uh then he said he started saying uh yeah and I started thinking about Julius Randle where I could just throw it down to the block and just let him go to work we don't have that guy anymore either it's like he he keeps thinking back five six seven eight years in his in his tenure and it's like dude you were literally the one guy this offseason saying that everything was going to be changed everything was going to be different talking to people around the program going into last year the year before that the year before that they were like oh this is the year the dribble the dribble drives coming back. This is the year we're going four out. This is the year we're going five out. You're going to see things that that we've never seen before. And to this day, we we haven't seen any of it. Like it's it's all just it's like he he saw none of this stuff work and and just said, okay, we got to go back to to my comfort zone. He just he re, he reverted back to his comfort zone, and 
this I think this is the first offseason that I'm going to look at and be like, I you you gotta prove it to me. I gotta see it to believe it. Because right now I am not confident going into next next year. And I don't think Cal has given us any reason to be. No, I'm I'm definitely concerned. I think this is a program that it's gonna be it's always under a microscope, but I think it's gonna be even larger this this off season. I think that everybody's gonna be watching to see exactly what happens with Kentucky. Let's face it. Ninety-nine percent of the population wants Kentucky to fail, mm-hmm. so it's not like anybody's out there hoping Kentucky gets it figured out. Jack, I mean, everybody wants Kentucky to tank and go under, but we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens with this. I mean, there's definitely no instant fix right now. This team is not fixable. This team is broken. This team is what it is. It's not changing. They're not going on a run. Like it, it's not. If they do, they have to have some help. Like, cause it's. It, I just don't see it happening. For this team, I think Calipari has, has honestly pushed every button possible, and I think you're seeing a coach who's frustrated, who honestly does not have a solution to what's going on, and you're seeing it bleed over. But what he's got to watch, he's got to watch how he says things, because you don't want this struggle, you don't want anything to come out of this that moves forward with your program. You want this to be a one-year deal. You want this to be a one-and-done situation to where it's over with. You don't want anything bleeding over into recruiting or – Anything. Like right now, he's saying the wrong thing not only to the media, he's saying the wrong thing to the fans. And that's the problem. And I get it, though. When you have a competitive side, you 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 got to watch what you say. You want to win. And nobody wants to win more, I think, than John Calipari and this coaching staff. I mean, look, I just lost in the state sectionals in middle school basketball this week. You watched the game on YouTube. And it was, it was hard. It was our first loss of the season. Thought we had a chance to win state. I even told myself, watch what you say. Don't let your emotions get the best of you when you're talking to these kids. And I'm talking to 12, 13, 14-year-old kids. Sure, it's four or five years difference, but I just feel like you've got to watch what you say. Especially, when, and I just think Cal's emotional. I really think it's just emotion. He's not been through this. Like, this is different. And you're talking about a guy who pumped up this roster and said the only thing that could stop him is COVID-19. Yep. So, yep. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that is that is the overarching theme, number one goal for Calipari right now. Your this season, it's not over. It's not a like you know you you don't opt out and say screw it. This is this season's a lost cause. Like I think you can get some solid development and all that, but any dreams of a postseason run or anything like that, I, I just don't think those are there anymore. And I think now it's time to start thinking ahead to 2021, 2022. And you can't burn those bridges with those key pieces that you need on that roster. You can't have the Dante Allens of the world transfer out. You can't have, you can't treat Cameron Fletcher. And again, there's a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes with that Cameron Fletcher situation that we have talked about on this show, not like specifically didn't, you know, not throwing the the kid under the bus, none of that. But there were things that Cam, that departure, that, that sending him home, all that, that was absolutely justified. The way Cal addressed that publicly, that was absolutely justified. There were things that happened behind the scenes that undoubtedly I, I completely agreed with how Cal handled that. Not a doubt in my mind, but you if you're going to make a decision of that magnitude and you're going to send a kid away and you're going to bring him back a week later and, you know, kind of incorporate him back into the, 
in, into the team and go out of your way to put him in for 45 seconds in a hostile road environment in, at Missouri, his home school. Like, if you're going to be going through these measures that very clearly make it seem, you know, I, should he have gotten more minute, you know, more time, whatever. But if you're going to go through these hoops to keep him around, you need to make him happy. You need to make him a, a, a feel appreciated. So he is part – if you have him in your long-term plans, you need to make him feel like he's in your long-term plans. Same thing with Dante Allen. Same thing with Lance Ware. The back and forth with his minutes going from starting a game to not playing, you know, getting DNPs for the next two. Like, there, you can't get this wishy-washy back and forth stuff. If you're planning ahead to the future, you have to plan ahead for the future. You can't live for the present – and kind of toss aside the future if you start a season five and 11. Kentucky, like Cal has dug himself this hole. He now has to do what it takes to climb out of it without digging himself further. And it's, it's a tough situation. It's hard for everybody. But the last thing Cal needs right now is to lose the remaining pieces. If Kentucky has a mass exodus this offseason – Cal's in trouble long term I, I am without a doubt this is the first time I'm not saying he's on the hot seat or whatever but I think it's that is going to be the first step of fans turning on him and saying I do not want him to be the leader of this program and I think that's a very very serious concern Kentucky Kentucky can only afford to lose Isaiah Jackson BJ Boston and Terrence Clark to the draft they cannot afford to get anybody else leaving for the draft leaving via transfer whatever they, Cal has to figure out a way to get these guys to stick around, and I think that's I think that's step one. I think we got to stop, um, you know, putting all of our eggs in with one basket with this year, and, and it, it's time to start thinking ahead to twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. I do. Yeah, yeah, you got to think big picture now. I mean, because this is uh, they're five and eleven, they're four and five in SEC play. It it's not getting better this year. Uh, I think what you want to see is you just want to look and see down this final stretch or some guys that you think that you kind of confident coming back, will they improve? Uh, but Jack, we're just going to have to wait and see exactly what happens. It's it's a frustrating time right now. Trust me, everyone's frustrated. I took a couple of weeks off and come back and I asked myself, let's not, why am I even watching this? Like if it wasn't my job, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like that, and that's saying something. Like there, are, there are people out there who are loyal Kentucky fans that if they lost every game, they'd tune right back in. And you know, kudos to you. You got you got a lot of willpower. I know there are a lot of people out there that are looking for something to get them through some tough times and these tough times that we've been living in for the last ten to twelve months. But just hang in there. Hopefully, they get it figured out. Absolutely. All right. Before we get out of here, let's have a quick message for our friends at UK Federal Credit Union. Are you tired of sky-high mortgage payments? Refinance your existing mortgage loan with UK Federal Credit Union's Fixed Home Equity Loan. They're currently offering rates as low as 2.74% APR and no closing costs with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today at UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Sean. With that, we will get the absolute heck out of here. We thank our fans as always. Um, we're still hanging in there in the in the charts and, and as the number one college basketball podcast in America. So we thank you guys. We know it's been a difficult season. Uh, we, we are trying to get through this with you guys. So, so 
it's it's been a lot of fun doing this show it hasn't been a lot of fun watching uh, the, the product itself but uh, we thank you guys for for tuning in and, and having us be a part of your uh, weekly routine we are having a blast doing it sean thank you so much as always for joining the show we have a lot a lot of fun doing this uh where can fans find your work you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on twitter at gbb country you can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we will be back next time for another jam packed Source of State podcast. We will see you then.